Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. ask you this ask away have you ever done something that looks very suspicious and you just kind of want to let people know around you that you're not doing the thing that it looks like you're doing hmm as someone that likes big coats and shoulder bags i feel that way every time i leave any retail place (laughs) that's to be totally honest that is fair (laughs) <laughs> right you gotta be like it's fashion i'm i'm being fashionable i'm not stealing anything it's fine yeah i think um yeah i i, I think it's a lot of going into stores okay and and yeah like the trying to make it clear that i am just I I am so indecisive that yes, <laughs> I'm going to stand there staring at something for 20 minutes and still, you know, not can't make up my mind whether or not I'm getting it. Gotcha, you know, gotcha. I, I think that reads as vaguely suspicious. Okay. Yeah, I f- I feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that um I definitely have been caught off guard carrying bizarre things just just as as an <laughs> right, artist right you know, you're you're carrying god knows what down the street gotcha um, tr- trying trying to get stuff to your studio or whatever right yeah for yeah. sure i mean i had one of the most interesting interactions i've ever had in a while like very recently oh. kind of in regards to this that's why i asked because... i mean i'm glad i'm glad you're getting out there nature is healing and you're having weird interactions with yeah it, 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 I, you know i i think i've been missing that part of my life a little bit and it's weird because like the town i'm in's not that big so it's not like there's not a lot of room for that to happen where you have npc encounters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. see florida is the exact opposite it is right. every it's every other person you walk in right you, you just you walk past is <laughs> uh you know the uh the the viking guy that works <laughs> out in the park across from where my mom lives mm, mm-hmm. you know the inexplicable bumper stickers like yeah allison and i were driving and there was a guy with a bumper sticker of do you know the shocker <laughs> right yeah yeah the symbol yeah the 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 yeah the the hand the hand motion right but it then also had the dodge logo like dodge ram logo over it and i was like i was trying to see the correlation Mm. i was like is that is is this saying something about dodge owners right saying that dodge has good shock absorbers um is it saying that Dodge owners, um, you know, uh, don't don't reciprocate oral? Mm. I, I I just wow. don't know. Yeah, I guess we will never know. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, in this, in kind of opposite to bumper stickers, in this case, it was like watching a scene <laughs> from a movie 
where <laughs> I was walking around with my family uh, going on a walk because, you know, as mm-hmm. you do when you want to get outside. And, you know, there's not many apartment buildings, but there's a few in my town. And we're just walking past and there's we see this person like lifting themselves into a window off of like a um like a catwalk or whatever you call that like the um the way to get up to like the higher story apartments you know and then kind of sneaking their way in and i'm just kind of watching like huh mm-hmm. you know i guess that happens and we're kind of like mm, mm-hmm. probably just locked himself out you know it happens and then yeah. we're like but what if right like what what if they are breaking you in i was like you well, didn't recognize the person no i don't talk to anybody in my town Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to, but no, I didn't. I they, it, you couldn't really see them. It was their like feet kind of hanging out, like they kind of backed their way in, kind of like I imagine yeah. if we had the POV, it would be like in a movie where they lost their keys. And um, mm-hmm. it, what I really enjoyed about this, as I'm having this like conversation with my family, like, huh, I wonder why this is happening, and we're just gonna kind of do our mm-hmm. thing. You know, we're East Coast people; it's not my business, which is exactly what mm-hmm. I said. The guy. Yeah. Reach, like looks out the window with his head and he's like i'm not breaking in this is my apartment i locked myself out and i was like yeah, like so yeah. candidly with that kind of like sense of humor and i i kind of you know looked up and yelled back and i'm like no you're good no worries and i was like i'm not gonna rat you out you're fine and i was like you know because it's like, this is not my business i'm not gonna you do you it's fine and bold of you if you were breaking in anyway because that immediately the question after was you know he could mm-hmm. he could just be saying that and I'm like, I, I guess he could. I don't know. But I guess it's props to him for having a funny comeback at that to make it, like, mm-hmm. not suspicious. But then I guess more suspicious? Yeah. I mean, I it's it's hard to it's hard to uh, know what you would say in that situation. My neighbor, who uh, at least vaguely knew me, has had watched me uh, climb through a window once to unlock my door. Yeah, it happens. Um, I feel like that's a common yeah, thing. It, it, so. it, do, it does happen. Um, I think there's enough things that have happened where I always assumed I would have to provide more proof of who I was. Maybe that's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, white man privilege. But I do feel like there are certain things that require so much verification. <laughs> yeah. Like checking my class schedule right uh, versus uh other things that i feel like i've just walked into you know oh yeah like there should be some certificate more certification for i don't know me to just walk into a pet store and buy an iguana i mean i guess so but i guess if you were a libertarian maybe then not and there wouldn't be any maybe (laughs) i don't know if i was a libertarian I mean, you're that that's that's quite a uh, that that that's quite a specific presumption, I guess. I guess they do assume, yeah, no, nobody should have to check. Uh, do I know how to drive a car? I mean, why not? Of course, uh, you as, as we that's saw an from <laughs> who was who was was that was, that was that debate with Gary Johnson and the other <laughs> was libertarian it? candidate? Oh, uh, dude, I don't even like, know. Yeah, and Gary Johnson is like. I think you should show some proficiency before you get behind the wheel of a car. And the audience starts booing him. Oh, my God. I I mean, I know that was probably a very tight segue into our like mm-hmm. main topic for today, but it was too, it's yeah. too fitting not to. But, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of immediately sets up the the topic of the exhibition here, I feel like, of 
booing mm-hmm. booing mm-hmm. to be safe and considerate of others around you interesting uh not a dig mm-hmm. just an observation that, sound, that sounds like an infringement on my personal liberties to be considerate of other people <laughs> oh god i got yeah i guess so um but yeah um i guess maybe we should explain the weird abstract room that looks like that one place where squidward got stuck in the future in that spongebob episode because since everybody has seen spongebob we can make any reference to it and you probably know it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like old classical painters could just do a scene from the bible and everybody knew what they were talking about that's a really good way to put it and i feel like not enough people have explored that yet yeah i wonder how tied that will be to our generation um i i i guess just spongebob because yeah yeah i i assume they still do the reruns of like the the kind of classic episodes but um yeah i, I don't know I don't again know. i i don't uh, unlike libertarians, I don't hang out with enough uh, seventeen and eighteen year olds to. <laughs> I was wondering when that was gonna come in. I was like, "Is it? Which one of us is gonna make the joke?" Oh, yeah, my you know God. what? The seventeen and eighteen year olds I hang out with—that is for work reasons. Fair enough, as it should. <laughs> oh my God! But yeah, no, I was very fascinated by the space—the empty void, the floating. Uh, colorful prisms that seem yeah. to pass by us uh, seem seem to be w- without bias, without um, hierarchy, without mm. um, preference. It's yeah. So uh, it, it 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 just seems to exist uh, in in a way that suggests um, uh, a a kind of a kind of unattainable perfection. Mm. Yeah, it's almost a uh, an utopian idea, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I would I would. <laughs> it seems like a good. It it seems beyond our imagination, and maybe this is why the UCM is a good place to try and do this. It is extremely difficult to try and imagine what a museum looks like in a utopia because yes. we are, especially right now, we are we are now interrogating so much about the the way that um, information is presented that there's not really any one thing that you could point at and say this is. A perfect and good way to this is an ideal way to um make a museum because you know museums are uh you know institutions run by human beings uh, right and you know there's the potential for flaws and biases no matter who you put on the boards and who you um are trying to get your donations from right right but but even things that we would have thought of as apolitical, mm. um, maybe even just a couple decades ago, like we can't even necessarily look at um, paleontology, which is something I've I've talked about before. The the mostly apolitical nature of paleontology is part of its mass appeal, but you know they're paleontology is not without um you know a a history of you know some some of its early uh titans being also proponents of scientific racism 
there are plenty of fossils in museum collections that have dubious provenance um, as far as, you know, maybe if they, if they were taken out of a uh, developing country uh, or a, a non-Western country in, um, in the colonial era. Right, right. Um, there's, so, so even when you are encountering those things, they are not without bias in how they are presented. Um, and, you know, this is, this, you know, this isn't the same degree of harm as say of direct harm as say um a totally stolen and misrepresented uh artifact that reinforces a racial stereotype mm. but it still is it it's it still ticks the meter a little bit in our right in a, um in in our perceptions of the world so it's really difficult to imagine. <laughs> it is. Like, it is hard. Like, because even for for modernist stuff, where they wanted to construct um, an idea of utopia, even we now look back on that and we see the flaws of the mm. ideas that we, you know, still kind of have in place in some galleries and ex and exhibitions. Now, you know, we look at minimalism and we understand that there is a class element to it we can yeah. look at the the white cube gallery as oh it's the white cube it treats everything the same and uh it you know just uh it, it's white walls it exactly. is blank so you can put whatever you want in it the issue is then you are removing you you are trying to create you are trying to manufacture an environment of uh contextless biasless fantasy almost yeah. you know and and not that not that white not that we need to burn down white cube galleries i mean i don't even know i don't know what what you can burn down inside <laughs> them they're just empty space i mean yeah uh, that's I, true I, may, maybe that all that white paint is flammable i don't know probably it's also from it's also from the mid century. There might be lead in it. <laughs> oh, true. We true, probably true, true. Le, le, okay. So yeah, just for that reason, right? Let's not burn down no. the white cube galleries. Maybe let's just put up some wallpaper. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but also, but also, no. There is art and good, important art mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. can be exhibited in that way. But right. there's also it, it's not without its issues, and it was. I, I think kind of in one way naive, but in another way genuine an effort to create a more egalitarian viewing experience. Yeah. Yeah, I th this is this is an even longer way of saying we have no idea what <laughs> a what a a, a utopian museum mm -hmm. looks like. Yeah, we have no clue. And that's kind of I think the point of today's exhibit is to investigate that question within a museum, but also what is it like to try and enact a utopia in the real mm -hmm. from an ideology? What is that yes. call? How does that happen? What are the consequences mm -hmm. of doing so? And is it mm -hmm. possible? And mm -hmm. in connection to with our display and the, in the, in the, I don't think we have an answer per se. This is the most abstract exhibit I think we've ever shown. 
but mm-hmm. it's potential to explore this without grounding us in any which way of a philosophy because that seems to be the flaw in any utopian idea. And yeah. I have one such example for us to explore if you let me indulge into this back into the libertarian quest for freedom and personal freedoms mm-hmm. and consequences that may or may not follow that. Um, and mm-hmm. since we're in this abstract place that has prisms flying around us, oh, just dodge that one right there. This is really terrifying. Oh, yeah, that one. Let's, uh, I like the noise it makes, though. Yeah, it is kind of cool, isn't it? Let's jump into this one here. Maybe if we just expand it and come into this forest plane, and this is new okay i haven't tested well, this also out yet because but... it's uh b- because it's uh you know all are welcome we also have a uh ramp for the uh of course the differently able of course to, of course uh, allow themselves into if you are able to uh or uh want to absolutely absolutely yeah yeah please jump in um there is uh, additional accessibility uh that will um mm-hmm. just make, make it so that we are all on the other side of course um Yes. So now that we now that we have come through this portal, we are now in a forested area. Yeah. Um, I hope. Every- I guess I can. I, I guess there's kind of a there, there's kind of a town. I think I see at the end of this road. Where are we? Well, we're in the outskirts of a town called Grafton, in New Hampshire, which was the foundation for a potential libertarian utopia that you may or may not have heard of to which went mm. to that had a conflict with bears. Oh? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that what is that what New Hampshire means by live free or die? That's New Hampshire, right? It is actually, yeah. Um oh, you know God. what? Okay. That I, was, is... <laughs> I was saying that and I was like, "Oh wait, is that not is kind that of... not New Hampshire's?" I mean, I'll pro- props to you that you knew that because I just found that out. But like, I, it's so <laughs> fitting because that's why this becomes a base for this ideology to take to take a hold and form as a as mm-hmm. a town, so to speak, as a free town. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, doesn't really work out. But without jumping too far ahead, I mm-hmm. think I think this is a good tone setter here um, to really set the mood. I'm gonna pick up this guitar and we're just gonna we're just gonna have a little. I think oh, I think a scene. A song. Well, play, I'm play not a, play a, a ballad. I don't know if we're gonna the, play the ballad, so to speak. But I just spin a yarn. I just wanted to tell a story. Imagine an ideology so strong that you wish to project it into the world to start your own utopian place of living to think every day every day to think so far that this might become a reality that in one's head in our collective thinking as a group as a political movement as an ideology that this can be correct that there is no other way but to enact it in the in the real but what is to happen when this comes to a reality check a halt so to speak Due to consequences of short-sighted knowledge of an area, knowledge of ecology, and knowledge of other things existing within one's own peripheries. Mm -hmm. This is the story of Grafton, New Hampshire, the libertarian free town that fell to a raiding party of bears, or so I like to say it. 
And that's my wow. prelude with a guitar. That was just a nice little tone setter there for everybody. Wow. So and just like Dune. J- <laughs> Because everything is Dune, Zan, as I've always said and always will from now on. <laughs> Paul Atreides uh, uh, really exemplifies the libertarian <laughs> ideal. Kind of does. Well, I guess not. <laughs> He's into organization. But anyway. So in talking about this story, we got to start in 2004 in which the Free Town Project, or it's now known as the Free State Project, was founded by Jason Soren. I, pretty sure I'm a member of the Libertarian Party, and essentially they sought to make a libertarian utopia, as I forementioned. So mm-hmm. basically this is a, a bunch of a bunch of um, libertarians decided that they were going to make a real-world example of their philosophies to be enacted mm-hmm. and fix their eyes on the live-free-or-die state of New Hampshire, which was going to serve mm-hmm. as their, their basis. And they picked the town of Grafton, which had a population of under 1,000 people. And so they quickly showed up to this place, started taking over, like, every, you know, these people moved in, they, they moved their entire yeah, lives yeah. there, and started taking over the town government jobs and getting mm-hmm. involved with all, you know, necessary positions to make all these big decisions that would determine how the town was going to be run. Was the town somewhat already accepting of this philosophy? Mm-hmm. Like, was this right. a bunch of kind of, like, backwoods, independent... Um, uh, New Hampshireans. Well, yeah, I mean, it was kind of yes and no. So according to Matthew Hungolt's Hetling, who is the mm-hmm. author of A Libertarian Walks Into a Bear, which is pretty much the source material for this exhibit right, at a specific right. moment, he describes mm-hmm. it as it was kind of a mixed bag of this. Since it's that type of vibe with the state, people were pretty okay mm-hmm. with that, but a lot of the townsfolk weren't. There were people that were not in, into like these people uh-huh. coming in to change their way of living yeah. but i think when they started getting to know everybody on a like kind of person to person level it was mm-hmm. fine for the most part right like it was okay. kind of like okay i guess like i don't really want to do this so it's whatever but it was it was more civil than say like the rajneeshis uh in um in in what, what was that that was antelope oregon yes i'm i believe so i mean it, yeah it, i was gonna say it's not in this it's not like that and it's not like mm-hmm. do, I don't know the um, and we don't have to get into this either. But it's it's another mm-hmm. example of a town being taken over. I watched a documentary on it where like the neo Nazis yeah. took over a town and they like decided to like make it their new like camp. I'm pretty sure that's pretty crazy of a story mm-hmm. too. So it's not in a sense of like an it's not a occupation where it you is have not unprecedented in America to say I hate everyone. I'm going to go start a town and just go found it somewhere that's right that's, that's it about seems as american as apple pie well, i mean yeah th- there's sometimes spiritual retreats um, right there's sometimes towns of uh you know freed slaves right um, right there's sometimes also uh white supremacist cults i mean look, yeah. look at elohim city you know they're that that you know to I mean, it, it's it's almost the, the pretty much the foundation of Mormonism. I mean, yeah, literally, it's 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 it's. it's I'm gonna go start my own country. Well, it happens a lot, and we see this happen a lot, and I feel like that was part of the idea here. Like we, you know, we have this whole history in America of okay, I don't fit yeah. in, so I'm gonna move west or I'm gonna move south, and I'm gonna build my own yeah. idea. And I mean, obviously, like it's the Pilgrims. It is, yeah. It's it's I mean, I guess colonization in a way, but in this case, it's a bit. 
Mm-hmm. It's a bit different, only that, like, it's not necessarily going and just taking over the town by force or by aggression or by, you know, start literally building it. It's there's the mm-hmm. less people here geographically, it makes sense. And we can get ourselves into the politics and kind of change it within, and no one will really care that much, or so they believe in the sense. Right. So, so they, they feel like they're doing these, doing the town a favor. Um, kind of moving in or I don't know about like that necessarily, but it's, it's, um, they, they kind of really only pick it because it's in New Hampshire and that specific town, they had like the least zoning laws. So according to, um, to the author again, because they're going to need to be able to build any type of non, um, non-conventional housing because, you know, in this party and the people that are moving there, you kind of have two different types of people. Okay. Those who are very wealthy and well off and not really working nine to fives and they can just move anywhere they want and decide Mm -hmm. that or people who are drifting and can kind of pick themselves up and move to a new location, live in the woods, live Mm -hmm. in Mm non-conventional houses and do as they will. Sovereign citizen type. Yeah. You know, and like you're getting these mix of people. As a sovereign citizen, I am choosing to listen to you right now. I could walk away at any moment. I mean, I guess you could. It's your your right as a person, as an American. I don't know. (laughs) But, Mm, but don't tread on me. Okay. All right. Hi there, my name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts, a podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account, while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. I imagine this town was filled with those flags at this point. (laughs) But yeah, so basically they move in and they start to take it over from the inside in terms of the government. I know that, and and this happens over a period of time. I don't think it's immediately. But they basically get rid of as much as they can. They're trying to get rid of all, they basically remove all tax expenses and rule regulations that they wanted. So no police, no fire department, Mm. no public services. And key here is no trash pickup. That's going to come important later. So (laughs) it's just basically the way I've been without getting way too into the definition of libertarians. I feel like we all have a vague idea of what they are. I kind of see them as individualized anarchists, if you will, Mm. where it's about the freedom and independence of no government, no corporation, no nothing telling you what to do, but it's on an individual level, which is great if you live in the middle of nowhere and you're not interacting with anybody, but what if something happens and you need your neighbor? Right. Why did, you know, should they help you or should they not? And I guess that'd be the difference of anarchist or anarch anarcho-communists i guess but anarchists who are going to be more on that we don't want anybody telling us what to do as a government but collectively we're going to help each other so more of that yeah older ancient way of living before um you know walls yeah well but it's it's interesting because libertarianism as as a philosophy it ultimately comes off as kind of immature when you really start to break it apart because it says I have mine. I don't need to worry about anyone else. Right. Um, that's their business. And 
it has sort of an immediate appeal to it that um i think you know you could look at a lot of people that even you know it, it's sort of part of the whole stereotype of punks that grow up to be republicans yeah um, yeah it, it it's a part of that because there's a lot of i i i will believe and I will allow myself to imagine people that, you know, end up on the right wing of politics that, you know, did face obstacles in their life and did feel genuinely put down by the system. Um, and it's when when you understand, you know, those people that went from kind of a hippy dippy, maybe punk, maybe kind of um, some kind of like a uh, cottage core aesthetic <laughs> that starts out kind of innocently enough that where they're like we just need to get back to the land we every right. man you know needs to provide for himself um you know uh trying to get into some kind of traditionalist mindset but then where it starts to depart from you know building a community it's it's hard building a community yeah. it's hard getting people really hard. to agree on things so you do the next best thing, which is the easier thing and ultimately not the sustainable thing, which is to think, well, I just need to get this for myself. Exactly. Um, exactly. And not and not worry about um, anyone else. And it's. It's in in extreme cases, you get the doomsday preppers who you almost like it's almost laughably sad when you look at because they're preparing for what trying to stockpile enough canned food because mm -hmm. they, they don't seem very interested in the sustainability they seem to be much more i think it's very telling they put a lot of preparation always into outfitting you know the hummer yeah, um know. you know with like cattle guards and like a uh a um like like a tank thing right. attachment on the top you know uh something you can like turn around and you know mow down the zombies or the right the, the communists whoever you think you're going up against <laughs> um jesus yeah but it's so telling to me they think out those parts and it's ultimately it's like you're gonna run out of yeah. canned food and you and your family are now all alone yeah so you, who's eating who or are you all just gonna die and and also like there's no gasoline if there's no refineries. And that's the other thing. It's like why yeah, there the, the none of this is is seems very long-term thought to exactly. me if you're really preparing for the end of the world. Well, yeah. So the the I mean the thing about the where that where this sort of comes around I guess is you I could see the moment where I could have you know, gotten sucked into libertarianism. I almost did. And, I, I definitely almost did. Um, yeah, and I think that's a, that's a thing that to acknowledge, you know, in that I don't want to be totally just, you know, absolutely mean and snarky about this. No, no, no. We want to bring in as many people as possible to, you know, make a better future and stuff. Mm -hmm. All that jazz. <laughs> but... <laughs> 
the, the, ultimately, some people just don't like jazz. Some people, some people don't like don't get it. Yeah, I mean, we had a whole sound tour, you know, about that, mm-hmm. and I guess it's not it's not for everybody. Yeah, but 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 I I I guess I just want to be partially sympathetic for sure. No, you could see people that do feel put down, that feel disenfranchised, that feel hopeless in trying to. Uh, having there seems like there is so much work to be done and there is that you just kind of want to throw your hands up and be like all right well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna worry about me and um you know i'll maybe be socially progressive or whatever but i don't support the government building roads and you know suddenly you're in this whole other weird mindset of um you know I don't, I don't, I don't want you to do anything for me. What? Like it's, it, 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 it goes from being this extremely freeing aesthetic, you know, that you could kind of imagine, uh, to, you know, this, this insane individualism that, that, that leads nowhere. It seems like. Exactly. I mean, if I may too, it's not inherently bad where it's like, you know, I mean, I don't think there's nothing necessarily like I don't want to again, like you're saying, I don't want to alienate anybody or make this about like attacking a philosophy yeah. or a way of life. But it's more like I think I think here the purpose of why I think this this story is really interesting. It's not necessarily yeah. about the libertarians specifically. It, it's more just funny because they always talk about it working. But it's more because like yeah. this could happen to anybody. This is a story that yeah. really shows the downfall of of not thinking through the consequences or even just like the realities that come with setting up a town and a collective idea when you basically your philosophy is against that because like it's kind of funny like even with new hampshire itself it's like a little ironic because it's like you know you have they're pretty open about gay rights and you know human rights but then they have really free gun laws and they have more loose ends about what people have as individual freedoms Mm -hmm. but you know Mm -hmm. and i guess whatever but it's not i don't know if it's you know but but it's like mm-hmm. to me the problem with this whole way of thinking is you know fine you want to be by yourself and you want to be an individual and you want to live free i get it all humanity mm-hmm. understands and wants that and wa- has wanted that mm-hmm. but have you even considered where you're living whose land you're on it's not yours Right, it's if you're you know mm-hmm. if you're not indigenous to the United States or anywhere, it's not your land originally. I, I don't know what to tell you in that case. So how do you defend that one? What you will be bought it, right? It, it's it's like how much how farther down do we go to start to like defend or define these ideas, or is it just going to use like the, you know even in the case of this town, you're you're moving into a town using the government's tools to then change everything. How does that affect a philosophy? Mm-hmm. These are more my questions. It's not an insult or yeah, an attack. I assume it's just... some of them drove there. Well, yeah, exactly. On, on government roads. roads. They didn't fly or they didn't, you know, ride a horse on, you know, the land, which they could have still taken the roads. Like, it's this... It's you these... know what? I prop, Props to anyone who did ride I mean, a yeah, that's kind of awesome. In, and I, and into I, town. You have slightly more respect for me. I, I agree. But if... But, um, but even going into that, like, I know, you know, it's... It's kind of interesting because we, you know, we were talking about the townspeople reacting and, you know, they did, it's like some of them Mm -hmm. didn't like this and they had a town hall meeting and people were pretty pissed off. But the thing was, you know, they were willing to sway on some things like cutting, you know, 
pretty much cutting down all of town infrastructure for one and systems like fire department, public service, police, and even the library, just these things that like they, the townspeople thought, you know what? We're paying too much for this. We can cut that back. They didn't, they did not move on education though. So I'm happy about that. Mm. No school budgets were cut yet, or at least I don't think, but so that's, so that's good. But you know, library, nah, don't need it. Public services, cut as much as you want because it was saving them money. So I, I could see people being like, oh, well, if we cut down on all this, we don't have a high taxes, so it's going to be much better for everybody. But ultimately, this just gets significantly worse in the town. So mm-hmm. recycling's down. Town legal costs uh. went up because people are basically defending themselves or suing each other. Uh, <laughs> crime goes up a lot. The number of sex offenders in town rises. And the town had its... Oh. Yeah, I mean, kind of hilarious <laughs> pointing back to the joke uh. you made, but still... Uh, and the town has its first ever living murder, a double homicide, which is kind of crazy. And it was over like a roommate dispute Jeez. or something. So this is the groundwork to which we then have to enter the next uh, occupant and player of this town, which is where mm. the bears show up. Mm. I, like- I think I hear one now. Oh, yeah. We Well, l- luckily they're black bears, and I hope everybody hid their food, and there's no food around because maybe they won't be aggressive. Well, yeah, yeah, shake shake the uh, the can noise maker. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, 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 yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. This is kind of wild. Basically, because the town got rid of most of its public services, and essentially it's leaving mm-hmm. it up to residents to decide how they're going to, in this case, remove their garbage. So I know, mm-hmm. like, Philly had a problem. I think it still kind of does with trash pickup in Pennsylvania in general a while back. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty rough. Like, you know, you're seeing, like, garbage yeah. everywhere, and it's it, that's an infrastructure problem, and, a, and it was deeper than this. This would be like, some people mm-hmm. want to burn their garbage. Some people want to bury it. Some people want to just throw it outside and deal with it tomorrow and then never do. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just everywhere. And Basically, it's not going anywhere, though. This is just piling up and sitting there. And so with this, there's also people, remember, living the, the wi- living out in the wild, you know, which is cool, right, I guess. But yeah. they're, you know, in non-conventional housing. And the mm-hmm. thing is, they're not really taking into consideration that there's this black bear country and they're not mm. hiding their food. And if you're in a tent and you have all your cans of food and, and, and you know, fruit or whatever you're eating or making bread and you're like living your cottage core uh-huh. life and you don't store it, um, you're going to have a little guest because as we know, or maybe we don't, bears like to find food and they're very smart. Um, mm-hmm. So basically what ends up happening is these bears in New Hampshire, which at the time, you know, has a lot of them in the area. It's the woods, the mountains, it's cold. Um, Mm -hmm. They start noticing, hey, there's food in these like caves. And uh, I'm imagining that bears don't know what houses are, but they like to think of everything as a cave. I think that'd be kind of fun. But uh... (laughs) or they're just like, hey, boo boo, I see some people with some unfounded political uh, affiliation. (laughs) That's gotta be that. I I hope that's what it's like. I really think every bear now is going to have that voice in my head. And it's going to be like, it's like in all those like animated movies where there's like a live action animal, but they just like, you know, video they, they, they dub it yogi yeah. bear's voice yes or just any voice actor on top and they make the mouth move but anyway basically <laughs> these bears start figuring out if there's humans there's food which means that if they go into these places and they find food they get rewarded for it 
And then this just gets worse because basically they are conditioning and training unintentionally, by the way, bears to come up to humans and get something in return. So this gets mm-hmm. so bad because they basically get bolder and bolder, these these black bears in particular. Yeah. And and we should point out, black bears are not aggressive inherently. They usually are scared of people. Like if you yell or do the pots or scream or whatever, the, I think it's like a consistent mm-hmm. tone actually. They leave. Mm-hmm. They're not leaving anymore because now the reward is higher than the risk, yeah. right? So they can just, they know that, well, I'll get lots of food if I do this and they're not going to attack me, so it's fine. So, you know, now also they're raiding... Even with all the even with all the guns. Well, y- well, yeah. See, here's where it gets a bit of a problem because now the once the residents catch on, there is some deterrence, but they're kind of mm-hmm. wild. So basically, like, the bears are moving into town, going through these tents. Mm-hmm. They're raiding garbage pits. It's a mess. And yeah. residents take it... Um, Again, this is everybody on their independent levels. So basically, some people shoot at them. Some people set traps. Um, the most absurd one was that people were apparently putting cayenne peppers, like the the powder, on the trash. So when the bears would mm-hmm. like go, they would get it in their nose and it would hurt. I guess, which is kind of okay. weird. As like that's the I guess logic, it, I, but it's basically the logic of bear spray. I guess. I mean, like yeah, you you have to. You cannot convince a bear to change its mind until it's incredibly uncomfortable well yeah exactly but none of this is really working and you know it's all of these measures are being put in place but like you know the main one of the trash is being ignored because if that's the thing that's causing this and also you know the food and stuff but regardless this you know they um um, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, so basically everybody's doing what is good for them and what they think will work. Um, yeah. And this leads up to, like, Grafton's first black bear attack in 100 years, where um, oh a, a woman was actually attacked in her home in 2012. Because this, you know, this is going on for a while. This isn't, like, a thing that happened in a year. This happened, to my understanding, over time. And... So, wow, seasons and seasons of, of this. Well, yeah. and it, bears. Well, like... Yes, but it's more towards like the later points. Like it's kind of like a mm-hmm. something that leads up to this point where bears are going into stores, they're trying to get into houses. Oh like they're God. just not backing down because yeah. again, they've learned, but there's also something to be paying attention to in terms of like I the prologue is mentioning mm-hmm. the ecology of the of the area where there was apparently yeah. like droughts happening, you know, people are moving into their territories. This is like the lack of awareness of living within nature which I think needs to always be considered within living and settling down somewhere that sometimes Mm -hmm. there's consequences to that. And in this case, it's, you know, a town that starts, I guess, with an ideology being implemented and leaves Mm -hmm. and ends in a way that they kind of, I don't, you know, know entirely how this has ended, but, you know, it kind of fell apart in a sense that this isn't, this didn't become the libertarian freehold that they were looking for. It became a place that was unsafe to live and quite miserable to live in because you had to navigate wildlife attacking you as well as living in a trash pit and dealing with the infrastructure you removed. So you you come into town, everything is falling apart, there's trash everywhere, there's bears, there's sex offenders. Yeah there's it, it it it's so weird that someone there was someone there who was like we did it 
Exactly. And like, it's just, (laughs) this is what, this is what I wanted. This was it. This is what I was looking for. But it's, you know, it's the ideology just leads back into the, the town folding back into, you know, having taxes again, and basically going back to other general needs. It's, it doesn't Mm -hmm. live up to that dream, the utopian dream that they were looking for. And I think this quote by, um, the interviewer for Vox that was interviewing Matthew um, Hongold-Hetling, Sean Illing, as well as um, the the author of the book, Matthew Hongold-Hetling, yeah. was saying where this is pretty much how it went from one to the other. Of There's a lesson in mm-hmm. this for anyone interested in seeing it, which is that if you try to make the world fit neatly into an ideological box, you'll have to distort yeah. or ignore reality to do it, usually with terrible mm-hmm. consequences. And Matthew um, Hongold-Hetling says... Yeah, I think that's true for libertarianism and really all philosophies of life. It's very easy to fall into this trap of believing that if only everybody followed this or that principle, then society would become this perfect system. And mm-hmm. I think that encapsulates the story rather well because right. it is, yeah, I, I do think that if you try to fit these these ideologies into a you know box or into an, like, it has to work mm-hmm. because we believe it so much and you don't consider yeah. possibilities it's i don't know i think it's forewarning and and again i don't think this is mm-hmm. this is just at li- libertarians this could be for anarchists this could be for cottage core enthusiasts well, cult leaders it could know, be for anybody in in the past we certainly talked about the um the the smash a sparrow policy of mao <laughs> exactly um, consequences of yeah. dealing with things that are out of your knowledge or control yeah but you you see the potential to you know you have a population of people that you can mobilize because you have a shared ideology but ultimately like you have to for everybody to be on the same page you know this is just a story of honestly not that many people just being kind of dumb yeah um and what we see with um on the maybe other end of the spectrum is we see governments that have you know plenty of corrupt people anywhere you go but you also have people that genuinely believe in a system and a philosophy and are trying to make it work um but what happens quite often is you're like, well, we we kind of need everybody to go along with this, right? Uh, right. In order for this to work, and it, it's it, it is the the thing that can you know start to lean into authoritarianism at some point. You know, there's and then there's people that say, you know, if we had universal health care, it would be authoritarianism. Um, right. It's. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's insanely uh ridiculous because we i feel like at this point in history we have enough of a roadmap to know when to draw the line yeah at at you know when we uh are going to combine efforts for a collective good but you do see people like genuinely trying to build something in a utopia in the vision of a utopia you know for for the for you know fascists it's based off of an idea of race that if only we could get rid of or enslave other people so that we can have this uh so that we can reap the benefits you know that's that's what that's what they're going off of um it's 
but you know as as opposed to you know someone who's like we're going to establish social programs and everything but we kind of we need everyone to buy into this so we need to be very strict about certain things and certain types of dissent right exactly and you can kind of see when you are presented with those problems you can see why there is a certain contingency of the population that you know wants to throw their hands up and say both are bad i'm just going to remove myself from this consideration um sure yeah and yeah yeah you can kind of understand that uh but you also have people that want to that want to put in the work but also want to completely remove everything that is already in place because Mm. you see it as a part of a former uh, corrupt world and we want to build back a new world that doesn't have a trace of uh, the the thing that you see as the corruption. Right. And, like, uh, Edward Said, like, had, has this, um, this thing where he, he talks about with the the ideas of the foundation of America and and the foundation of modern Israel and he's I think sympathetic to the the causes of of the, the those foundations. What he points out as kind of a flaw or maybe something that has been overlooked and not properly addressed is both of those efforts were from people that felt like they had to start completely anew and wanted to disregard because they had valid and justifiable reasons from leaving where they came from and they saw uh an a, a new opportunity in a new locale um you're you totally are following an impulse and unfortunately a little bit of a delusion that you can restart mm. something without any of the the issues without any of the the sins of the past without um that that it is a clean slate that starting a new country and a new system is a is the new slate that you want to believe it is um and you know we are are living with the repercussions of those decisions now um it's it's an insanely complicated uh thing as as we you know watch new countries still being formed today as people are trying to stake uh, a claim to an area and say we're going to do it right this time and we're going to do it here right um and you know perhaps that was a lot of history for a long time just people moving into a new place regardless of who was living there before um and and trying to pursue a utopia i mean when when you picture a utopia what are you are are like do you do you have like a non-cynical idea of like what what you picture as a utopia even um I think so, actually. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, well, okay, 
this is a two part for me because I do think yeah. it's like if we have to consider the future we live in now and what we live with yeah. and how it could be, yeah. solar punk would be sweet and a yeah. world where respect and tolerance is priority number one and people still do what yeah. they need to do and cultures still act as they need to do and everybody speaks their native yeah. language as they wish but there yeah. is this sort of relevant harmony that okay mm-hmm. we're just you know war is useless we can make money elsewhere let's focus on crops let's make some you know super cool architecture and and yeah and and have a, you know harmony with nature yeah, like we're, that would we're be all ideal. about this for for uh an architecture revival exactly i mean have you seen some of the solar punk art it's <laughs> awesome like i could totally do it like you yeah. know robot animals yeah. mixed with actual animals you know cool clean mm-hmm. energy it would be cool mm-hmm. but i think i'm my second part to this is i'm worried if that's skewed because of like you know what I see in imagery, or what we read, or what we're told. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's just more like you wonder what is a utopia. Is it going back yeah. to, you know, stone bronze? Well, maybe not bronze age, like stone age kind of. You know, we all pitch in to help. People hunt. People mm-hmm. gather and cook, and we kind of mutually live yeah. to survive together. Or is it mm-hmm. something in the future, whatever that means? Or is it mm-hmm. Dune, which is definitely not a utopia? <laughs> but it is like it is that question of. Um, even can there be one? And the nihilists and yeah. cynicists to me will say, no, it's impossible. But I don't think it is. I think it is possible in mm-hmm. a very long time. And it, you need to work, we need to work through so much yeah. about the past. Because I think, like, I mean, if we take America for an example, mm-hmm. that's a country, we're, we're a country that has a short past uh, as a country and has we yet. We squeezed a lot in there. Squeezed a lot in there, and we still don't deal with it enough. Like we haven't really come to terms with <laughs> what that means, uh, and and yeah, a lot of other countries certainly. haven't either. I mean, Europe's still in yeah, Europe, the country yeah. of the country of Europe. No, I mean like the, the European yes. Union, all the countries within the continent of Europe. Um, yes, not to be so I don't get you know corrected on Twitter, but um, basically you know it's the same thing. It's a history that needs to be reckoned with and just hasn't, and mm-hmm. um, it. I hope it will. And I hope there's some yeah. there's some recognition there. And but I think you need to make those efforts. Like I I totally mm-hmm. agree with what you're saying, and even how um like the connection to Edward Said. But like you know that you can't just restart. It's not clean slate. We can't forget things that happened because to forget yeah. is to then have to do it all over again. You're just gonna you know. Well, yeah, it, it, but but there's there's a certain and. I think I can sometimes find myself in this train of thought as well, where you think, well, it's the greedy people in power that make the bad things happen, and the vast majority of people are good just going about their lives, and so you can see the the temptation for a lot of people to say, the people that live in this area, wherever it is in the world, like, the people of this town are good and they work together and they'd all be better off if the if the big central power left them alone. And I don't know how that works everywhere in the world, but I can, you know, at least point out here in the States, our our necessity for some kind of centralized control has has been there kind of since the beginning as yeah. we tried to get people to just go along with everything so that we can even integrate our own infrastructure with each other. Um, we live 
we we live in in a place that on the one hand uh we have plenty of reasons to resent the federal government and Fair. you yeah. know lots of reasons to value states rights especially in terms of civil rights and you know um uh lgbt rights mm-hmm. you know so much of uh our civil liberties start at the state level start at local levels and eventually get adopted by the country however we also live in a country where if it wasn't for like we've had to send <laughs> we have to send uh armed guards to let uh t- to get our schools integrated yeah um you know the sending in the national guard to to make sure that you know uh white parents are aren't going to like lynch uh black school children mm-hmm. um you know we've had to step in uh and you know have constitutional amendments regarding uh voting rights uh and you know the the abolishment of slavery the uh the the right to uh same-sex marriage we we have just so many examples of where honestly at the federal level we're bailing out so many of these states that want to trash on uh the that they they would be so much better off if the federal government left them alone meanwhile you know they they get a ton of funding and right they've, right they've had to have a, the rest of the country occasionally march in and say hey you can't do that anymore you're dehumanizing people yeah um, yeah exactly and so it's an extremely difficult thing to say because like also anybody that we anybody that you know that works for the government is the first to is the first to complain about it for sure yeah they they, they believe in it in some extent but everybody's witnessed either inefficiencies or completely ineffectual bureaucracies you know that's the incredibly frustrating part of any of this but it's also you know it's our it's our project of civilization that we're trying to work on here (laughs) yeah exactly so you have to wonder what did people do about this beforehand because you know if you were if you're maybe living in one small peaceful village and stuff do you do you live in fear that if you do not have some organization someone could come and take it from you do you uh do you risk an unsavory character taking control of your village and you know making everything benefit an elite few it's you know we want to think that we could spot the beginnings of a dystopia but anybody that's uh familiar like even with like um that 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 ursula le guin story have you ever heard it the um the the ones who walk away from a uh amelus i don't think i have actually it's a short story basically le guin uh postulates a utopia everything is perfect but there's one uh in order for it all to happen uh, there's like a child that's being tortured relentlessly. Ooh. And would you walk away from it? Would you walk away from Utopia if 
one person was suffering because of it. And <sighs> and th the thing is, at the end of the day, we live in that world. We already sort of live with that where um, somewhere someone in the world is suffering more than us so that we can have uh, some convenience. Um, you know, it's like that Onion article that's like, unthinkable series of events allow man to, uh, you know, order Amazon Prime. Right. It's, uh, it, it is sort of just a way that we have to think about it. Because, like, even if it was down to one person, does that fit into what, like, what philosophy does that graft onto? Because you could say yeah. that you could see plenty of people from plenty of different political spectrums that ultimately say, you know, some something to the effect of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the Yeah, people. the utilitarian argument, the trolley argument, whatever you want to say. I, it's still, yeah. A, yeah, that's such a complicated thing, too, that I, mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm. so, people will so passively say that until it's them. And that's the thing I always feel like everybody yeah. forgets, right? Like, you, you know, it's so easy yeah. to be like, oh, well, it's, it's, um, yeah, of course that makes sense. The needs of the many outweigh right. the few, but I don't want to be that person, right? I don't want to be the one that gets tortured. Right. Relentlessly. Well, yeah, because I, I mean, it, look, look at where we are now with vaccines, because I can, like, there, there are people out there that have bad reactions to vaccines. Hundred percent. You know, yeah, that, that or people that that medically cannot or should not be she should not be getting them for sure. And then there's people that would be totally fine and are choosing not to because of uh, that that fear. But it's ultimately not the same as a trolley problem as as we want to think of it, because we could all be protecting those people who ch who cannot get vaccinated if we all chose to participate with that. Right. If, if everybody if everybody that could was, you can minimize suffering and exactly. you know, that's a phrase that we have to hear quite a lot minimize suffering because it seems like anyone that anyone that is proposing a perfect world we are understandably incredibly suspicious of immediately <laughs> like anyone that says everything is going to work out perfectly for everyone that person almost certainly has like it is like <laughs> a few steps away from a genocide like, yeah absolutely it's it, i mean it's it, it it's a red flag for sure that's that's definitely there yeah any in, in my book anyone that has too much figured out i'm suspicious of certainty um, same i mean we, we both which value it, doubt which if, so. if you if you've had to listen to me talk before i'm sure you recognize. <laughs> so i mean this is again this brings us back to so what did humans do for if really most of this shows up in the last couple thousand years like what were humans doing for kind of the most of the 200,000 years that modern humans have existed and there's an interesting you know it's going to be a part of a debate for probably a time to come this might even be something that unfolds over the uh over our lifetimes but there there's a new book out called the dawn of everything by david graber and david wengro um double d <laughs> 
and both are uh, archaeologists, and they're sort of what what they're putting forward is that the sort of Rousseau philosophy, the Enlightenment era idea of humanity was disorganized competing bands that eventually organized into civilization is not a correct or in their argument not supported by archaeology hmm interesting Um, and this is a very this is a, a a very radical book and i don't know a ton about archaeology but it is a very different way of looking at human history honestly kind of a more positive one okay i would Interesting. say i have to check this out um but basically sort of saying that humans had uh you know localized communities that were fairly far spread but not in super immediate contact with each other sort of like like almost like a a a blanket of civilization that was loosely woven together through cultures sort of a gradient but that the um civilization based on um debt and hierarchy were were not inherent to human civilization that human civilization was mm. able to begin without um a fear that you would not survive if you were not a part of it interesting yeah it's uh it's quite it's quite a big uh it's a big book i haven't <laughs> finished reading it in all honesty gotcha um, gotcha but from what I'm kind of gathering so far, they're they're drawing on a couple of different examples. And one of the things that they're trying to pull from, because this is so far back in the past that we don't really have written accounts of anything, because a lot of this predates written language. Oh, wow. Um, or at least written language that we even have evidence for. So what they do is they draw on a lot of indigenous American critique of Europe. Hmm. Okay. And we've talked about this here at the museum before. Like, it's not like there weren't empires in uh, in the Americas. Right, um, right. And there was plenty, not not plenty. There was they, there there was occasional warfare, like there was anywhere. Um, and there were uh, dynastic families, especially as we saw with the Inca. Um, however, there did seem to be culture groups that were still practicing this kind of organization and this kind of civilization. Hmm. Um, that had you know an intellectual rebuttal to uh to european civilization so one of the difficult things that i i came across in this was talking about the aztec empire and this is where the archaeology of the region is a little difficult because there were so many civilizations that came and went uh in you know present day mexico and central america yeah like we look at big um 
city centers uh, or population centers uh, in the New World that were abandoned at one point, and we don't really have direct evidence for why people left. You can look at uh, Cahokia in um, modern-day uh, Illinois. You could look at um, the, the Mayan cities that were abandoned. I mean, right. the, the Mayans dying out was is, is a myth. There are still people today that are ethnically Mayan, <laughs> right, and right. the Mayans continued civilization even past you know spanish occupation Mm -hmm. um and 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 to this day in some regions so what why do people why, why did people have these big civic centers and then leave and it just seems like they could have potentially ran out of resources in that region there could have been a better offer somewhere else and people just voted with their feet seems like um fair enough a, uh, like that happened often enough it seems like in the case of the mayans they just sort of moved to greener pastures and were practicing sort of a a lower impact civilization uh it, just in the sense that they the the resources were no longer available in the places that they had previously had large cities. They were still living in some smaller cities uh, by, by the time the Spanish arrived. Hmm. But going back to the Aztecs, Aztec city design has been extremely puzzling in that um, it does not follow city planning in the way that we think of globally where there is some royal family or some sort of hierarchy that there's some building where the people in charge are right and going off of that and this is where things get extremely tricky and are a shot in the dark it could be proposed based off of what what uh, what evidence we have of Aztec civilization and the um, the their their documentation of themselves and their their own idea of themselves is that they did not have social hierarchy and class in a way that uh, we do now, mm. where um, because individually a person was self sufficient enough. The idea of a person coming in and say, actually, I control the food, you have to do what I say, or you will starve, which we typically associate with any empire building, any kingdom, any fiefdom anywhere on earth, you know, Japan, China, Europe, India, and any of these cradles of civilization, you know, this is what we think of. You know, someone's in charge of the food. You do what they say. Hmm. The Aztecs, it seemed like, had evolved a way around this where they did not, where there there was enough self-sufficiency, but also local community sufficiency that there was no, um, you couldn't have someone come in and do that. Someone couldn't come in and have sway over you because you did not technically need them for that purpose for for administration at least in terms of administration yeah huh and this would seem to this would seem to clarify why there seems to be no direct evidence for 
a ruling class in uh like Tenochtitlan. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody knows Montezuma. Right, right. But there seems to be a completely different hierarchy at play than what we are thinking of in terms of there's a king and everybody below them. Yeah, it's not going to be feudalism. Yeah, and it's further muddied because the Mayan interpretation of the Aztecs, at least, to hear them tell it, was that the Aztecs did have um, ruling families and and ruling ruling class. Yeah, you know, look, I'm not going to act like an expert because I'm not, um, and I'm sure my knowledge of, of... ancient mesoamerican and south american you know civilizations yeah. is colored by racism and 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 wrongdoings and anthropology yeah. so i don't want to sound yeah anywhere like i firmly believe this but the way i was i understood yeah. it is there was conflict in those areas not european yes. based warfare yeah. and conquering and land tactics but mm-hmm Oh yeah, no. I mean, I I don't I don't think neither of the Davids um were uh seemed interested in overturning uh the okay. part where uh they they murdered the losing teams uh of right. uh, of of the Olmec uh yeah. ball game. Cuz I was going to yeah, uh, cuz I was going to say, you know, you lose <laughs> you lose some civilizations there and people and there is like sources to point at that. It's yeah, not Yeah, no. I mean, they're, they're definitely into human sacrifice and <laughs> i mean who wasn't at the and time stuff. i guess it was <laughs> i mean it was yeah, you know. we're not here to we're not here to count bodies i'm sure the spanish killed plenty of uh people. yeah i was gonna not say even it's... on purpose honestly yeah, that true, shows you true. how the spanish were working Jesus. yeah the spanish just i'm 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 sure you know, it's like, you know, it's unthinkable to to stab the losers of a of a ball team. But God, you know, you just want to run for the on the slight chance that you will get gored to death by a bull. Eh, well, um, yeah. You know, that's that's so. the way that's the way civilized people do. It. Of course, of course. So, yes. And again, this book is going to be controversial and talked about for sure. It, um and I can't say I know enough about this uh-huh. to uh <laughs> do this. I I want to hear them out as archaeologists. Yeah, I But this is the, this is tantalizing to interrogate how at least the Aztecs thought of themselves because again going to the Inca where the Inca mm. had the Inca had removed scarcity. Right, right. I remember they 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 were a a a civilization that had, you know, a a ruling family, a dynastic family, an inbred dynastic family. Yeah. Um, but also had arrived post scarcity, no money. Right. And still had a, a, a very impressive economy. I mean, uh, uh-huh. it's. It, it, so the, the Inca were approaching it as if we can take over everybody and remove scarcity the, and, you know, try to get everybody vaguely into the same culture group, assimilate enough people we can level the playing field. That was right. sort of their approach. Right, right. Um, you know, and we, we talked about this before too, you know, hegemonic versus um, 
territorial empire building. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I would, it, it, I would hesitate to call any of these utopias. Right, I would agree with you. But what I think the bigger point to get at is that there have been, there is at least precedent, it seems, in human history, and in this case, fairly recent human history, Mm -hmm. for a civilization not based entirely on debt. Yes. And a civilization based on uh, organization at a lower level that corroborates with organization at a higher level mm, in, a, in a way right. that is uh, beneficial to more people except the, the losers of your uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, game. man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of the, that is the important part here and the interesting one too, that like, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of where that's going to go as an argument, as a nod, I think it's going to be debated for a yeah. while. I personally think that that's yeah. really interesting and is probably yeah. like, I'm sure there's some variation there that we're not going to know, but I, I, you know, there's 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 this point too that I, I cannot remember the yeah. documentary I was watching and I got to get the name, but mm-hmm. it was breaking down um, like, you know, the 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 um like basically from the native american or the indigenous of of um north american perspective of colonization of when the pilgrims arrived and what happens after um yeah. I think it's called our land or something like that but it's really interesting mm-hmm. but basically the uh, yeah. the thing i like that was pointed out in that was you know the concept mm-hmm. of land ownership and owning land owning people Mm-hmm. How that was going to work, you know, in the Americas, mm-hmm. pre-colonization is not the same as under, like, English rule, for example. So when pilgrims came yeah. over and tried to implement that, the indigenous people didn't necessarily understand because that's not your way of thinking and going about things. Yeah. And that, to me, is very interesting, that there's just inherently not the same way of thinking. And to mm-hmm. people who are really, you know mean-spirited about this is oh well they should know better or oh well you know you got to be prepared because humans are always going to do this but that is in kind of some of our western societies the way things were run but that doesn't mean every society did that maybe some maybe most but not everyone and that's important and i think the positive out of this is and the common thread to be honest is that Mm -hmm. people want to collaborate with each other we want yeah. Because we know, yeah. we've known that you need others mm-hmm. to survive. We literally do for our own mental health. I mean, isolation yeah. itself can prove this. It, it is something mm-hmm. that we do want to help each other. We do want to be with each other. I think we just haven't quite figured it out again, mm-hmm. because maybe we did at one point and forgot how mm-hmm. to do this the right way. What yeah. is the right way? Is there one or yeah. isn't there one? And how can it be done where everybody gets treated right, maybe, and we don't, mm-hmm. you know, abuse or dehumanize one group of people or another, or yeah. even just try to be so individualized that we end up circling back and and either tr- collect becoming a collective again or being taken over by bears. I mean, it's kind of these. It's this. It's this. <laughs> bears and emus. I know, man. Will, it's will, will inherit. The I earth. mean, I no. I, I I think because because ultimately, this new way of looking at things is. A more positive view of humanity yeah. because there 
there's always been the two um the two at least in in western uh philosophy there's there's the two schools of thought as far as post enlightenment like what do you think of human nature are you in the hobbes camp or are you in the uh rousseau camp do you believe that humans were innocent living in uh eden and then um civilization though necessary to our survival was what corrupted us mm. or are you hobbes and you think humans are always ha have always been dastardly and civilization is this project to try and reform us that we are trying to go against um, our base instincts in trying to uh, collaborate. Oh, that's fascinating. And, yeah, th I mean, that had always been the dichotomy. Um, and what, what, what you have to realize, I, and this is brought up in the book, is that good and evil are human constructs. Right. And when we when we want to to think about well is humanity inherently good or inherently evil the it's again back to trolley problems it's the wrong question um yeah it's it's not a because uh, i mean to me my my gut reaction is to say humans are inherently good um and that's just my experience and my background and there's plenty of people who could have experiences that point otherwise mm -hmm. but there's there's a, a a thing that a professor of mine who's lakota brought up to me we were talking about representations of animals um and she was talking to me about the concept of the thunderbird and i quite like this a lot because i think it it is also i think it is something that people that, that's that been understood in a lot of different ways across different cultures but is becoming i think more prominent is the idea that um one singular thing is not the only way to look at a problem or look at a thing and what what she told me was i mean i vaguely knew what knew about the 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 myth of the th uh, the thunderbird but basically what what she explained to me as as far as what it means in terms of uh the the mythology and the, the cosmology of uh of lakota culture was that you could have a vision of a thunderbird like you joe could individually mm -hmm. have a vision of a thunderbird gotcha. um however that it would it would still be impossible for you to describe a thunderbird because it uh is not complete without uh multiple visions of a thunderbird multiple mm. people within the tribe have visions and they are different but it's not that they're conflicting it's that together it builds a a picture it's it, everybody's seen like catching a glimpse of it whoa and I, it's I, ultimately huh. a, a a collaborative cosmological philosophical um uh project that's 
I love that. That's really great. I know. Isn't I mean, it, that's that, that was that was it was it was really beautiful to hear her talk about it. Yeah, that is really I really am fascinated in this now. I mean, one, it's mm-hmm. it's partially part of my own research, but in terms of that idea of the yeah. collaboration, but I I quite like that a lot. Even just an yeah. outlook to things, right? Like mm-hmm. that it does take multiple perspectives to understand something, and I think we learn yeah. from each other, and that's the way forward in many cases is to learn and to you know mm-hmm. of course establishing pretty base mm-hmm. understandings of morality i feel yeah because otherwise you just you know you're gonna end up with yeah. all kinds of lawlessness so to speak of what you deem right well it's, what you it's deem helpful or not we, it's the thing we know in america you go into a small town seems pretty clean pretty kept together you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop you're like what's yeah. wrong right there's gotta <laughs> be something wrong exactly either <laughs> it's, it's a sundown town right or, or oh my god the bears are here it's it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think this was really insightful into into think i don't know how you feel about it but i i, I quite mm-hmm. like that you that you bring it you brought up the Thunderbird part of this because mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way of wrapping this, so to speak, this tour, this idea of, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the collaboration moving forward and that not one idea of something maybe yeah. is, is always going to be the one that has to be visioned, you know? Yeah. But. No, yeah. I, it's it's something that definitely has my interest and I think can speak to a, a lot of I, I where we are in our mm. like postmodern kind of <laughs> but post postmodern contemporary hellscape. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, where we are constantly seeking to redefine ourselves, and we want to be very critical of all previous philosophies because you know anybody advocating for a complete return to something they see as traditional. Mm. I mean yeah. that is also a, an enormous red flag across the the, yeah. uh, the 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 spectrum of ideologies. Yeah, um, not great. But I think people are going to be more open to the idea of allowing different philosophies into your life because you're seeing it now as people realize that, uh, you know, e- e- even with. So, something is simple with like within our, our our pop culture consciousness uh and our artistic consciousness where we are dealing with um writers and musicians and actors and people that are very important to us artistically are not themselves always the best people right you know? right like we're going to have to re-evolve a a consciousness of being able to entertain multiple philosophies depending on uh the moment you're in Mm. i guess in that way was jan martel ahead of all of us with life of pi i didn't i lied about reading it in high school you never read it zan i i was supposed to i just i tried reading it i i think it was the wrong time i'm gonna give it to you maybe you should I have it. I'll give it to you. It's a good book. I think you would like it. Yeah. The movie's good mm-hmm. too. Both are good. Both are valid options mm-hmm. in my opinion, but the book was yeah. book was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, but I guess Jan Martel might have been ahead of the curve on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> 
but um but yeah, yeah. No, this I, I i agree feels like a very productive civilization building conversation um <laughs> gotta love we, world civ yeah now uh we will form a committee to decide on the committee to make a right. decision as to what to do next right the birth of bureaucracy right in front of us again yes yes um, yes but I mean, you know, we 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 know all about it. We we uh, <laughs> we run, but also I guess are imprisoned uh, at a museum. You know that this is, is true. Metaphor. Eh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, while we are while we are waiting for the portal to close and bring us mm-hmm. back to the exhibit room, uh, Zam, what do you have mm-hmm. going on? What do I have going on? Um, well, uh, unfortunately, I had a mishap and my piece will no longer be at the 311 gallery this december uh in raleigh but uh hopefully there will be other things on the horizon Mm. more stuff cooking um you know not not anything uh you know that that's uh the gallery's fault or my fault just uh logistics error let's say um so I will be in a show called Toys starting December 9th at the Studio Public House in St. Petersburg. I will be in a show called Cosmos. I'm putting the finishing touches on my painting for that. That's going to be put on by Coastal Creative uh, in St. Petersburg on December 17th. I will be there. Let's see. Uh, And... uh, yeah, some other potential stuff cooking going into 2022. Oh, uh, man, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Um, but yeah, I should also have some shows uh, with Mothman uh, back in when I'm back in uh, St. Petersburg. So mm. I'll, I'll be around. I'll, I'll nice. have some uh, some new music, hopefully, and everything coming up. What about you, Joe? What is going on? Well, uh, not too much at the moment. I mean, the, my uh, video work featuring Zan, the dinner is on, I think it'll be ending the 14th of December. So it's on view till then at the CICA Museum in South Korea. So if you're there, go, I guess. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about any other ex- exhibits I'm in at the moment. A lot of stuff is unclear right now. But there's some stuff in the works. Got some new videos that'll probably be coming out, I'm going to say, after 20, like, into 2022 just so i can have that tag mm-hmm, on them mm-hmm. but um until then i will keep you in suspense go see joe internationally yeah i am now mr worldwide and i will be using yes. that title for a very long time <laughs> <laughs> i'm coming for pitbull um yes, yes. but anyways yeah. yeah well we'll go disappear back into our uh egalitarian shuttles and uh <laughs> I, I don't know maybe maybe i should join maybe i should join a kibbutz i don't know maybe um yeah uh anyways uh this has been great if you want to uh visit the museum after hours we are at uncanny museum on twitter and at uncanny county museum on instagram uh be sure to follow us there uh you can reach out to us if you have any corrections if Mm. you have if you are an archaeologist and can uh elaborate or clarify uh anything from the dawn of everything we would love to hear your thoughts on it oh yes absolutely um yeah uh so uh yeah feel free to uh reach out to us about that give us suggestions of things you'd like us to talk about uh it's crazy we're we're well into season two now yeah you know it's, here we go it's pretty wild but mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. excited yeah excited for things 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, you can find me at Xanasaurus on Instagram. You can find me at, at Josemino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Samino. Bye. Bye.